All right, let's do this. Okay, let me take a sip of tea. Oh, delicious. Okay. Hello, world. Welcome back to the Flores and Friends podcast. Today is a very special day for the show. First being that I am joined by a guest in studio, my apartment, uh, today. Usually for people who are aware, I just record my guests over the phone into the microphone. Uh, but I have a real life person here today, and it's frequent guest, fan favorite, Ben Cass. And how you doing today, man? I'm pretty good. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you set up this interview station here for me. Yeah, I know. I know. I feel right at home in the hot seat. Yeah, for real. So we're going to talk about a few things, but the other reason this is a special day is because we're actually recording this on my birthday, uh, January 19th. Woo! I, I know, right? Uh, big 29. Um, we should have gotten some of those little noisemakers. Yeah. So we could, yeah, really unenthusiastically just to... Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, it is my birthday. We, we, we hung out all day today. Uh, we went... We had breakfast and then we went to... People in Austin are familiar with this. Uh, the Green Belt. Uh, Barton Creek uh, Green Belt. Lived here three years. Almost three years in February, and it's the first time I ever went there, and it was all right. I'm just not a big nature guy, so. But Ben yeah. wanted to go do it. Why did you want to go? Why did you want to go hiking today, man? Because uh, I, I I do actually genuinely like hiking. Um, mm-hmm. I don't do it very often. Yeah, but I do enjoy it. It's nice to be outside because I feel like Ooh, that's loud. <laughs> I feel like a lot of what I do ends up just being inside all the time. It's nice to have some. Fresh air. Plus, it was a nice day. It was a very and, nice uh, day. We got um, to take a surprise swim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, because I'm an idiot uh, and we weren't paying attention, we, we thought we had to cross the creek to get to the trail. But uh, And the sign said shallow water. It was very much not shallow. It was a lie. It was a lie. <laughs> so, what happened was... I mean, it was in the 50s or today, I'd say 50s, yeah. somewhere like Uh So we, we get our pants rolled up. We take our socks and shoes off. Well, my dumb ass. <laughs> so I put, we both had water bottles. And then I put my water bottle down while I was doing this. And it fell into the creek. And I was like, oh, no, I can't just let this plastic bottle of water float away. That's pollution. And so I decided to... <laughs> like chase after it and needless to say like i was doing pretty well and then like the one like as i grabbed it and was walking back to y'all uh because we had witnesses pretty embarrassing <laughs> uh i like misstepped and i literally got like my whole lower ab like whole lower body like soaked <laughs> and part of my sweatshirt and so we had just started the hike and we were like well it's too early to quit now so, not only was I embarrassed, uh, I had to spend the rest of the hike, like, a good, another hour and a half walking around in 50 degree weather with barely any sun sunlight because of the trees in, like, cold, damp clothes. You know, not the worst birthday, but certainly not the best. I mean, it was fun because we had a great time and it was funny. Like, it, it wasn't tragic. Like, we weren't, like, mad. It was, like, we were making jokes about it. <laughs> Uh, but it was a good time. Um, and then we went to In-N-Out, which, for my money, like, I don't really do birthdays. I don't see the point of, like, going all out. You're gonna have one next year, don't worry. Hopefully. Hopefully. Knock on wood. Uh, 
But so like I do like to go eat somewhere nice or something I enjoy on my birthday. So we went to In-N-Out. And for my money, I know I live with a bunch of – I know I live in Texas and i surrounded by Texans. But I just want to say this for the record. In-N-Out is so much better than Whataburger. Not to – I love me some Whataburger, but it's not even close. It's not even close. Anyway, so that's what we do. We're going to go out tonight. Um, I'm sober for anyone who's not aware. So, But tonight, uh, Ben and I will be sharing a drink. It'll be my first drink in, fuck, how many? Almost a year. Yeah, like 340-something days. Uh, So, yeah, it'll be the first touch of alcohol, really, I've had in almost, like, three weeks shy of a year. So, anyway. Uh, So, yeah, that's what we're going to do. But on this episode, we are talking about something uh, near and dear to our hearts. So looking back as, as it's my birthday today, like looking back at the past like 20 years, like we realized that 1999 was a great year from films. And so what we're going to talk about today is we're going to go through some of these films that are turning 20, if they haven't turned 20 already, but that will be turning 20 years old this year. And I mean, this was formative years for us. I was nine, you were eight. Yeah. And like, I think we weren't, I mean, obviously we weren't. We were teenagers, but we were becoming aware of, like, adult mainstream entertainment. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, So there were a lot of, like, we pulled the list of 100. I I basically pulled the list of 100 films that came out in 99 off of IMDb. uh, And we ranked them by popularity. But we're not going to, we're just going to go through it. We're going to cherry pick them. So, yeah, we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about another film-related topic. Uh, a debate that's gone on for 25 years, really, um, which is the 1994 Best Picture uh, nominees. But we're going to get on that in a little bit. But let's talk about these 1999 films. You ready, Ben? I'm ready. Okay, I'm going to go first. I think it would be remiss if we started anywhere else. But I think like the like the big movie of 1999 was The Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember? Did you see it in theaters? I didn't. Uh, it was actually, uh, I, I think, I think I saw it. Oh, I th- we we rented it from um, Blockbuster. Yeah. Oh no, it wasn't Blockbuster. It was Major Video. Oh, Major Video. We rented well, it from Major Video. Any any small children that may be listening, back in the day, <laughs> if you wanted a movie, and you didn't want it to come on cable, and you didn't have HBO or anything like that, and you wanted to watch a movie uncensored. You actually had to walk, go out of your house, and go to a video. St- a, uh, hear me out, a video store, and they would let you rent it for like a few days. And if you didn't rewind it when you returned it to them, you got fined for that. I know rewinding, it's crazy. But these are real things that we had Wait, to deal they with. Find you for that? Yeah, like re- yeah, like you would if you didn't do it. Oh no way! Yeah, I mean I always rewound my tape, yeah, so I never knew, but. Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. Uh, but that's a whole conversation for another day. So I think I – I don't think I saw this – I don't think I saw it in the movie theater. I think I rented it as well. Yeah. I don't remember when I first saw it, but – I remember it was a big deal for me because it was the first R-rated movie that I ever saw. I was shocked to learn that it was R-rated as yeah. an adult because it's like – the only reason it's R-rated is because they curse. Yeah. There's no sex in it. There's barely any blood or violence. Yeah. It's just because they curse in yeah. it. Yeah. Which I was like, what the fuck is that all about? Right. <laughs> okay, so I'll just say I'm not like trying to toot my own horn here. But even as a small child, like nine, ten years old, it made complete sense to me. 
Like the movie made sense to me. Yeah, it's. I don't think it's a very complex topic. But people were like, "Oh, I don't know how to describe it. Like, what? I don't know what it's about. Like all this stuff." I was like, "It makes perfect sense to me." I mean, even as a small, even as a kid, I was like, "Did I understand the philosophical implications?" But if you asked me as a kid, "What is the Matrix about?" I'd be like, "Oh, I can tell you right now. I can tell you the entire trilogy. What the entire trilogy is about." Yeah. But yeah, I love this movie. I think it's you know a movie's great. When every other action movie after it, or every movie in its genre after it, imitates it. Yeah. Comedies parody it. It's, people know bullet time. Like, that's, people think, oh, that's the Matrix. Yeah. So, it's, it's, it, I think it's like one of the most rewatchable films of all time. I think so too. And it is, is a huge movie and will always be a huge movie in the science fiction genre. Yeah, science fiction action borrowed a lot from the Hong Kong, like, you know, your, uh, what's your boy? Directed Mission Impossible 2. Oh, shit. Chow Young Fats guy. Uh, uh, wait. Hold on. I have a phone. It's so nice. Usually I'm recording this over with my phone, so I can't <laughs> use my phone. Uh, John Woo. Yes. John Woo. Yeah. Bar a lot from the John Woo films of its of the day. Like they've been doing all this kind of over the top action for like the entire nineties mm-hmm. in Hong Kong. And the Wachowskis saw that. I don't know the exact story, but like the Wachowskis saw that. Uh, and they were like, let's bring that into America and let's throw some ghost in the shell in there. And let's throw some like Japanese animated like sci fi sci fi anime, all this stuff. Yeah. All like put it in a blender. And let's put Keanu Reeves in probably his best role ever. I think John Wick is getting up there. Um, yeah, but that's also because they're really similar characters. They are very similar characters. But yeah, I love this movie. I I remember having the VHS of it mm-hmm. and just re-watching it all the time. Like, it was just... It's, it's actually really good story structure as well. If I could be a story structure nerd, like, it's... Literally the hero's journey. Like if you yeah. were like everybody when uh, for anyone not aware, I've, I've taken some screenwriting classes. You know I'm you know I'm you know, I'm I'm you know I, I know my shit. Uh, <laughs> but usually when they talk about the hero structure, hero's journey, the structure of that, they usually you know with Joseph Campbell also they usually go to Luke Skywalker and Star Wars. But mm-hmm. I think the Matrix is another great example of of like a uh, plot point by plot point by plot point like. Just everything yeah. fits. Yeah. And it has everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and has one of the great villains. Like, I really think, like, Mr. Smith is one of the greatest villains. Hugo Weaving, dude. Hugo Weaving. I guess on the last topic, how do you feel about the sequels? So, far and away, the original movie is the best. It's... it's. I don't know if there is a such thing as a perfect film, but if it, like, near-perfect films, Matrix is definitely up there. Yeah. Um, as far as the sequels go, I like watching The Matrix Reloaded because it's got some really fun fight scenes. Yeah, and it's got the giant mech battle. No, that's in Revolutions. Oh, it's in Revolutions. My bad. You're yeah. right. Um, oh, with the like hundreds of Smiths. Yeah, when that's he was fighting. Yeah. 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 No, that's Reloaded. Well, yes, he doesn't fight hundreds of them in that movie. He fights the one... Smith in Revolutions. Revolutions. But yeah. in Reloaded, he He's fights got, yeah, 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 he fights yeah, yeah. the gang of Smiths. Yeah. Um, it's also got, uh, and they they use this liberally throughout the trilogy. But it's it's got one of my absolute favorite film effects 
especially for fight movies, where they shoot the fight scene in real time with a uh, high frame rate camera yeah. and then play it back in slow motion. Yeah. Because it's such a cool, like, otherworldly effect. Yeah. So cool. I love the sequels. I think that they make sense to me. Like, everyone was like, oh, this is... Everyone was writing a better film in their minds mm-hmm. and were expecting when they announced the sequels to come out, like, expecting, like, their world to be rocked like the first one did. Uh, because, I mean, The Matrix, like, I, like, I want to reiterate, is, like, a cultural touchstone. Like, it... Like, people are always like, oh, man, what if life was, like, the Matrix? Like, that's mm-hmm. an actual thing people debate about. Like, yeah. Or if we're all just living in a simulation. Yeah. And, again, the Wachowskis didn't come up with that. Mm-hmm. They just decided to put it in their movie. But, like, I think that the they all make sense. I really believe that it tells one cohesive story. Uh, I enjoy them a lot. I'm, a, I'm an apologist for them. Like, I think they're secretly great. But... I think people's expectations were too high. Yeah. And I enjoy them as well because of the fight scenes and the action scenes. The acting leaves a little bit to be desired, but that's Keanu Reeves. Uh, and I think, again, Hugo Weaving's great in all of them. Yeah. Um, it's just fun. They're just fun movies. Mm-hmm. So the first one, though, is damn near perfect. Like, yeah. I, I, can't think of a, I can't think of a flaw in the movie. So it's... I can't believe it's 20. That's the one that got me thinking about 20 years old. I was like, God damn, The Matrix is 20 years old? Mm-hmm. That's so nuts. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's move on. You were going to pick the next one. Oh, let's see. So we talked about that. Um, I mean, do you want to talk about The Mummy at all? Yeah, we can talk about The Mummy if you want. We can touch on it. Let's talk about The Mummy. Um, it's, it's, uh, It's always weird to me to think about Brendan Fraser as an action star. Yeah, man, if you think about his career leading up to this point, like, he was in, like, uh, God, he was in Encino Man, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in a movie with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon where he was a Jewish student attuning, attending, like, an all, like, Christian preparatory school. It's pretty interesting. But he was, like, these, you know, he was Brendan Fraser. He wasn't any big deal. Like, yeah. he was Encino Man. Like, I think that was his biggest role of the Was it, was, uh, what you call it? Was Rocky and Bullwinkle before or after? After. I think it was okay. after. And I think he did. I think. Uh, I think it's. Did I see that a blast? Yeah, blast from the past is on. Is on yeah, it was yeah. the same year as yeah. this. So we can talk about both of those right now. Like, yeah. I think I like. I loved the mummy, a lot. Like as a kid, I loved that fucking movie. But I think the older I get, a blast from the past is getting funnier to me. <laughs> like considering, like you, you learn more about the Cold War. You, yeah. the Christopher Walken steals that fucking movie. Every scene he's in. <laughs> And Sissy Spacek steals that fucking movie all, every time. Uh, <laughs> but The Mummy, yeah. Uh, it's weird. Like, he's fallen... I guess that was the peak of his career. Like, I think, like, that movie and the second one were probably as high as he's yeah. ever gone. To be fair, he did get a resurgence when he did that fucking clap. <laughs> they don't know that. <laughs> Everybody knows about Anyone that know? Anyone... Anyone wondering what we're talking about, Google Brendan Fraser Golden Globes clap and you'll know what we're talking about. It's one of the funniest memes. Oh, it's so perfect. Like, what person claps? I don't even know what he was thinking. Anyway, but The Mummy. Great, fun movie and, like, they remade it. Would you consider the Tom Cruise version? They it's just came not out? a remake. It's, it's, I didn't see it either. I, no, I saw it yeah. and it is not a remake. But it was like a reboot. They were trying to reboot it, the franchise. Sort of. 
it's like it's not even like tangentially related to what they were doing with this yeah. mummy franchise though. But that first one is I wouldn't say it's perfect, but damn, it's just fun like you're 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 it's on it like Saturday on like two o'clock and you're yeah. like, Oh, this is on, I'll watch this for a little bit. Yeah. It's fun. It's it is fun. Uh Rachel Vice. That was my first like Rachel Vice. And I, Ben knows how big a crush I have on Rachel Vice. Like, she is, it was, she, man, look. She is. Daniel Craig, aside from being James Bond, is lucky on his own. The fact that, like, he's married to that woman. She is, she is gorgeous. Um, John Hanna, her brother, really good in that as well. Uh, just fun and great CG. Like, the, like the, the late 90s. Like you have Jurassic Park in ninety three? Is that ninety three? Something like that. And that was like the the avatar of its day. Like it was like, oh, this is the next step in CG in CG technology and stuff like that for films. And it felt like the mummy was like another great it looks bad now, but at the time yeah. the mummy looked fucking like that wall of sand now looks like ass. <laughs> but now but back then it was fucking awesome. You're yeah. like, I've never seen this before. Mm-hmm. And it probably cost them a hundred million dollars just to do those one, like two effects. <laughs> yeah, what else do you have to say about it? Well, this this is a, a bit of a tangent, but uh, yeah. it inspired one of the greatest roller coaster rides. <laughs> Man, the Mummy ride at Universal. Yeah. It's like a totally indoor roller coaster. Have you been on that before? No. It's it's so much fun. Yeah. It's like you know, it's it's a little like you know, kitschy and campy and stuff. Yeah. But like, like you go into this room, you like, you take the roller coaster into this room and then they talk about this curse or whatever. Yeah. And there's like fireballs everywhere. Yeah. It's just a fun roller coaster ride. That sounds like a fun roller coaster ride. Uh, anything else you want to add? I don't know. I mean, I talked about Brendan Fraser being a weird action star and that was, uh, that was pretty much the long and short of it. I, and I don't understand why would you put him in a blockbuster movie? I mean, if you look at it, like, late 90s, Brendan Fraser, he was, he's a good-looking guy. He was a good-looking guy back then. Sorry to impugn him now, but, like, he was a good-looking guy back then. Uh, he's, I think he's charismatic. Yeah. Um, and he looked like he got in shape for it, and he looked, he got kind of got rough, scuffed up and looked, tried to look rugged. He fit, um, but it's just weird looking at his, he's got a very weird career. Mm-hmm. Like, he's very weird. Like, but, I mean, apparently, like, those movies, like, ruined him. Like, they, he had, like, lasting physical injuries after, like, the first two mummies. Jeez. I know. And that third mummy. I didn't even bother. I was like, I can't. When Rachel Weisz left, I was like, well, she knows this is a bad movie. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> he didn't. Uh, he needed the money. Uh, she did not. Uh, I think, do you want to get angry or do you want to get awkward right now? Ooh. Ooh, I know what the answers to both of these are. <laughs> uh, I don't think you know what awkward is, but I think you know what angry is. Is is awkward not going to be talking about Kevin Spacey? Yeah, that was awkward. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's. You want to do these back to back? Let's just get these out of the way. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the big one. Let's talk about 1999. The other big film of 1999 was the return of Star Wars Episode One: A Phantom Menace. One of the most hyped up films of all time. And, well, this is a this is a conversation for a whole other episode. 
Uh, one that will probably be coming, if not this coming year or the year following. Who knows? Because we got to talk about the prequels one of these days. Because <laughs> uh, that's so much material right there. Yes. But let's just kind of isolate it. I think we've talked about this before. Aside from Duel of Fates, the song and the battle with Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Darth Maul, and then pod racing. I'm not as keen on pod racing as you are, but it's still... I, 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 I will concede that it has, like enjoyment value yeah because it was nothing we've ever seen before right that movie is not good and it's just funny how you like i think there's that famous clip of like nerds like in line and they were like there's no way this movie can be bad (laughs) and then like they catch them the news crew catches them after the movie and they're like you know it was it wasn't it was all right like i don't think people I, i don't think maybe force awakens kind of was flirting with that territory of like anticipation, but I don't think there was ever a more anticipated movie because you also had the early internet that was yeah leaking spoilers, leaking scripts. Like it was that was like it was a perfect timing as far as like the internet was like blowing this movie up. And people yeah. were so excited across the world about it, and they got Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So what? It, what? It did have Puppet Yoda in it though. Although he's gone and like digitally removed him and put in CGI Yoda and some like the yeah, so it's almost like it doesn't count anyway. Fucking <laughs> that dude. So what would you say about Phantom Menace? Like if you were like if someone had never seen Star Wars and they were an adult like us, like what would you say? Like oh, I want to start watching Star Wars and I think I'm going to start with Phantom Menace. What would you tell them? I mean, the only thing you can think if they're like I'm going to watch these in episodic order, have never seen them before. The only thing that you can say is don't let these prequel movies (laughs) don't let them run you off of the rest of the series (laughs) like we get it they're not good but i feel like you must watch them like any true star wars fan needs to watch them because they are canon they are written and directed each one by george lucas they are part of they they're part of the baggage like they're they're baggage yeah they're part of the deal not the best part but they, they are Yes, you have to watch them. But I mean, from what little we got out of it that was actually good, it's a pretty good shit in there. Like, Darth Maul, I remember the first trailer. Like, this was before the internet where you could watch trailers on YouTube. And I remember people, they like, Fox attached the trailer to, like, some pissant movie like no one was going to see. So they, the news broke that, like, the trailer was going to be with this film. And people literally bought tickets to that movie. Just to see the trailer, and then they left right after. Seriously, that's a real thing that used to happen. I would tell them, George Lucas, you, you you have to understand something about George Lucas, that he is a great visionary, and I really believe that he is great at world building. And, you know, the 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 overall story about corruption and the machinations of, politi- of politicians to get power like the emperor does... Uh, well, he's Senator Palpatine at the time, but then he becomes Chancellor yeah. Palpatine in this. But I think that's actually very interesting, and that's like one of the underrated aspects of the the prequel trilogy is like that, like how he gains the system and stuff like that. But I would say that he's a great visionary, he's a great world builder. He will give you something that he will, you will never see before. But he also uh, is a terrible director, and he has terrible. He cannot write dialogue, realistic dialogue, to save his life. But it's not unwatchable. It's not nearly as bad as Attack of the Clones for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, attack. There's, there's so much in attacking the clones that you just, you just have to skip it. You yeah, just... it's so boring. It's so bad and boring, and the film really doesn't get going until, like, when Obi Wan fights Jango. Yeah, when he fights Jango. Yeah, and then the spaceship battle, and then it takes another lull. And then when they get to the Geonosis battle yeah. with the creatures, I guess that's when it picks up. Yeah. We're getting off track. But that's just – but that's like – movie's probably two hours, 15. That's maybe 30 minutes altogether of a two-hour – ooh, that's a, that's a hard sell right there. Yeah. And you have to deal with some bad acting in, in Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Okay, let's, let's, let's do a hard turn into something very awkward. Um, so American Beauty – I just remember, okay, this is how my nine-year-old, ten-year-old John thought. I was like, you see Mina Savari's boobs in this. And I was like, that was awesome. (laughs) But also very disturbing when you think about the fact that Kevin Spacey's like this 40-year-old man trying to bang an 18-year-old. Luckily, he doesn't go through with it, or this movie would have been incredibly different. And surprisingly a biopic. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Except she's a girl. Anyway, so it's kind of awkward now. Yeah. Uh, it's very awkward now to watch this film. I'm not actually a big fan of it. I, I I liked it. I liked the movie. And to be fair, I haven't watched it, rewatched it since learning all of this stuff about Spacey. But I, I really enjoyed the film. And I know that it's like white privilege the movie. It's very pretentious as well. Uh, but... It's very well acted. Chris Cooper and Annette Bening are very good in it. Yeah. Especially Chris Cooper. Chris Cooper is excellent in that movie. I would highly recommend anyone who hasn't seen American Beauty, they see it. But you also keep in mind, like, okay, this was a, this was like 20 years ago. Keep in mind that this is like, the 90s were much different from the age we live in now. And it's like, it's... And, oh, uh, Thor of... Thor Birch, is that her name? Yeah, I think so. Did not know this. She was underage. She was under 18 in that movie. And she takes her top off. And she had to get her parents' permission. And they signed off on that. Which is like, excuse me? Like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, I just remember all the visuals. You had great visuals. Yeah. Sam Mendes has a great eye for that kind of stuff. Like yeah. the, the rose petal stuff. Yeah. And uh, the color schemes, it's really nice. It's a very well shot movie, mm-hmm. but I just didn't love it because I didn't get the message at the time. Like, I get it now, but it still it seems hollow because it is white privilege in the movie. And it's like this dude who's a success, successful career, he's just miserable in his life. And he, his goal is to like regress into being like, he goes back to working at the, a fast food place where he yeah. worked at it as a kid and he falls in love with, falls in love, wants to bang his sister's like. His, his daughter's. I'm sorry, best yeah, his daughter's yeah. best friend. I apologize. They should have made it just about Chris Cooper. Like, that movie would have been even better. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But, like, I really, like... Like, the at the end of the movie, you get that whole... Like, if it was just regression for him... Yeah. That's one thing. But at the end of the movie, you kind of, like... When he... Spoiler alert. When he doesn't go through yeah. with everything at yeah. the end. And you're like... Okay, he's not... He's not a complete fucking idiot. Yeah. Or he's not a complete scumbag. Uh, we went all this time. We didn't even mention the plastic bag. 
<laughs> that fucking plastic bag. That was there also parody. There is so much beauty in the world. <laughs> that plastic bag, dude. That was a punchline for like years after this movie. Um, it won a lot of Oscars. Uh, I think that's when I saw it. After it won Oscars, that's when I watched it. Uh-huh. And I was like, again, my main takeaway as a 10-year-old child was like, that Mina Savara is very, very pretty. <laughs> and I really like the fact that she gets topless in this. Uh... But it's it's not aging well. Yeah. Every every one of his films are not aging well, which yeah. is a shame because he's been on a lot of great films. And he is, yeah, I mean, you know, you talk about his personal character as much as you want, but you can't deny that the man is a great actor. He's a great actor. But dude's just, he's either a sociopath or he's got demons or both. And it's... Uh, do you want to pick one? Let's go with it. Let's go with one of your picks. Okay. So I don't know if you want to talk about this now because it's related to one of the uh, Oscar winners or okay. Oscar noms. Okay, yeah. Uh, but the Green Mile. Oh, okay, yeah. Green Mile, uh, based on a Stephen King book. Yeah. Even though you didn't think that's like it's like it's got supernatural elements, but I was like, I always thought it was going to be like just a straight like people person drama without any supernatural elements but i like it but i mean that's the funny thing is shawshank is also uh stephen king yeah i know and also weird both about prisons both the same director yeah frank darabont yeah apparently frank darabont is like he directed the mist which was also a stephen king weird he has a thing he has a really big thing about like being very closely collaborating with stephen king i don't know what's going on there but i'm not mad at it because it's got some good films out of it yeah so what do you think about the green mile it was good. Um, it's it's a good movie. Oh, R.I.P. Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah, you will. You are forever missed. You were a very talented actor. Yeah, but it's a shame that you know you had heart problems. Anyway, he's a big dude. He's a big dude. He big dude problems. Got big dude problems. Uh, but yeah, great. Tom Hanks, great in that movie too. Yeah. Man. Fucking sad, dude. Yeah, very. We're gonna. We've already said spoiler alert for some of these movies, but just a heads up: if you've got made it this far, we're gonna be spoiling all these movies. So this is your general warning right now, if you're listening. Yeah. So just wait until we get to the sixth sense. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, actually, I have a story about that one. Uh, so, old boy dies at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Clark Duncan's death in that movie. John Coffey. Like, when all, everybody's crying, guts me. I can't, it's so sad. Like, everybody's, David Morse, Barry Pepper, like, all these, it's just so fucking sad. Like, I'm like, I can't watch this movie, like, on on the random, because it's like, I could watch, like, most of it, but once we get to his death, I'm just like, I can't, when he's just like, there's just so much evil in the world, I just want to be done with it. And Mm -hmm. I was like, fuck this movie, dude. And then it's sad, because Tom Hanks' character... Is like in a retirement home at the end. You don't know who he is, but you find out who he is, and he's like, all his loved ones are dead because he's he John Coffee heals him, and then he's living this extendedly, this supernaturally long life for a human, and then you don't know how long he's gonna live. But he's like, this mouse that he healed should have been dead like twenty years ago, mm-hmm. and it's still going strong. So I don't know what the fuck that means for me. <laughs> so he might live to be like two hundred years old, and he's miserable, and he's old, and he's alone. That's some fucking Twilight Zone shit, man. That's <laughs> fucked up. It is. Uh, great insight into... I think it's set in Louisiana, right? 
That's Louisiana. Or is it, it Mississippi? Feels, it, I mean, it's definitely southern. It's very yeah. southern. It's very southern. Great Bonnie Hunt performance. Mm-hmm. J- great James Cromwell. It's yeah, a good film. But is. again, it's so heavy. It is. It's very heavy. Okay. Uh, my next one is... Uh, let's lighten it up a bit. I think I'm going to go uh, Office Space. Now, I, I, I've i been working in a professional office probably the last, like, five years. And I will say that uh, there are a lot of... Th- I, I love this. First off, I love this movie. I think it's hilarious for what it is. Mm-hmm. It's got some great lines. It's it's just great. I love Mike Judge. Like, me and you are both huge Silicon Valley fans. Yeah. I, I like King of the Hill. It's not my favorite show, but every time I watch, I would laugh. Yeah. So. But I have a huge problem with this film. Because while it's hilarious, the main character is such a he's such a bitch in this movie. Like, and I'm not coming as this like like MAGA bro, like men's right thing, like he's a cuck. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like his whole So his whole issue in this movie he says he's miserable. And literally the ending is he decides to go work construction with his his neighbor, right? Mm-hmm. He's miserable in his job. He's at a job he doesn't like. But he still goes, he still works his job. I just think I'm like, you don't need this whole movie. Just find another job. You have so, he seems like a similar, somewhat competent. I think he said he went to college. He got, he worked in computer, whatever, right? Computer sciences, right? Mm-hmm. He got a degree or something like that. I don't know. I don't remember where the movie's set. I think it's set in Austin. I think it's set in Texas because Mike Judge, I think, is from this, these parts of the world, this part of the world. Um, just get another job. Like, why are you stuck there? Like, why? You're, they're not, you're not a slave there. You're not forced to work there. You could find another job. You just don't want to. Mm-hmm. He's just lazy and he's a bitch. He's whining about it. But if I take the premise for what it is, I think it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. And a good Jennifer, young Jennifer, pre-Friends. Or was she filming Friends at the time? Friends came out in 94, which seems way earlier than I ever thought. But yeah, it was 94 and this came out in 99. So she'd been on Friends for like five years. Yeah. And... She eventually became one of the biggest stars in the world, and this is one of her like low key mm-hmm. films. It's mm-hmm. like it's weird, but and it gave us the great Gary Cole, uh, Nunberg or I can't remember. He gave us the meme of that would be great, thanks. <laughs> and as a guy, like I said, I work in an office. Uh, I don't I don't deal with it as much as the shit that the movie's about now. But there was a time where I was like, I, this movie, I get why it was so popular because like. A bunch of people were in that same situation, that same environment, and this basically like lampooned it yeah. and endeared it to so many people. So, working in an office, do you ever have that the urge to take a baseball bat to one of your printers? Uh, no. Great soundtrack by the Ghetto Boys. Mm-hmm. Like, die, motherfucker, die. <laughs> like, ah. Uh. And then, good to feel. Really feels good to be a gangster. It's like, or damn, it feels good to be a gangster. I'm sorry. Uh, that's my white boyness coming out. I, I misremember rap songs. Uh, damn, feels good to be a great, great, great songs. Uh, no, but I get it. Like when I have a, one of our big expensive printers, like it, there are moments where it fucks up, and I'm like, I'm about to have. I feel like having an office space moment. Right now. <laughs> and it's just, it's so funny because it's got a great cast of characters and great like, just like it's just so. It just nails it. It just nails that culture so well. Uh-huh. Like how they have layoffs and they're like trying to downsize. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 
All right, next pick for you, man. Uh, well, why don't we keep it light and uh, talk about Austin Powers? Yes, I was hoping you'd go here. <laughs> this was, if I may start off, I saw this in a movie theater. My mother allowed me and my brother to go see this movie by ourselves. And the whole, that looks like a giant one-eyed monster. I was nine, I was, how old I was? Nine years old, probably. On the ground in the movie theater laughing so hard. That is like the hardest a film had ever made me laugh up until that point. I take that, no, I take that back. Young Frankenstein, I had seen Young Frankenstein before this, so that was probably the hardest. But this was like, it's such a stupid joke that just keeps going, and it's so fucking funny. And it's like, that's he's, that's a huge shaft complete with two balls. <laughs> and that movie is just great. It's, such a, it's another great sequel. That is the sequel. Yeah. Oh, shit. The first one came out in 97, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did. Ooh. Did you think that this was the first one? Yes. No. And then I remembered. This is with International Heather. Man of Mystery. That was the first one. Yeah. Heather, this was Heather Graham. Yeah. Benny Me. Yeah. Uh, the other great thing about this was... Roblo. Roblo. The other great... I think I showed you this clip. When when Will Ferrell shows up in the movie <laughs> and he falls off the cliff and he gets... It's a sound effect that gets me. I still don't know how they did this sound effect, but it sounds like such real broken bone where he's like... The crunch. Yeah, the crunch of his legs. He's like, I believe I've broken my leg. It's beginning to smell like almonds, which is not good. I'll try to stand up on it. And he's like, ah! And he's like, let me try the other one. Dog. Still to this day, still to this day, fucking gets me every goddamn time. But it's a great sequel, and it is. I really love the Elvis Costello Burt Bacharach. Like, mm-hmm. I'll never fall in love again. Yeah, I didn't know who the fuck Burt Bacharach was before the first Austin Powers, and apparently, like, he's a big fucking deal. Yeah, fucking soundtrack to Butch Casting the Sundance Kid. I didn't know. I, yeah. I didn't see Butch and Sundance until so you gave it to me later on in life. That's true. This is true. Uh, anything else you want to say about Austin Powers? It's just so, Fat Bastard was in this. Fat Bastard. It's it's just so quotable. Yeah. So quotable. Get oh. in my belly. <laughs> oh, this coffee tastes like shit. <laughs> That's because it is shit, Austin. <laughs> it's not just me, then. Uh, it's a bit nutty. <laughs> and he's like, I want to hump a lot. The, uh, oh, so many great... Prepare to die, Powers. It's like, why won't you die? <laughs> oh man! Dog, it's oh, Spitzer swallows. Spitzer swallows. Yeah, yeah, and uh, oh fuck. Um, the uh, oh the uh, oh, what was that part when um when when Minnie Me and Doctor Evil sing just just the two, two of us? <laughs> Me and my brother could do that whole thing at the time. From the moment I heard Frau say I had a clone, I knew that I'd be safe because I'd never be alone. <laughs> Just the two of Or, like, what he. <laughs> last, last bit. Where he goes, What if God was. What? And Rob Lowe's like, Dr. Evil, that's a beautiful song. He's like, I know, I wrote it. <laughs> oh, man. Or, like, <laughs> the Alan Parsons project. <laughs> A laser. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on. Uh, I think it's my pick. Let me scratch off Austin Powers. Uh, let's talk about another great sequel, Toy Story 2. I mean, John Lasseter, unfortunately, has had a Me Too movement thing, so it's kind of tainted as well. But, like, the story about it, do you know the story about it? 
so Toy Story 2, the production, it was, I always find this fascinating. So Toy Story 2, obviously Toy Story 1, huge fucking success. I think in 94, 95, somewhere around mm-hmm. there. They started, Disney was going to make a Pixar, was going to make a sequel without Pixar. And they were like, no, you're fucking not Pixar. Because this was back in the day when Pixar was its own thing. And then when Disney eventually bought them later on. But, and Pixar was like, no, you're fucking not. We're, you're not touching our shit without us, like, no. And so they started making a film and apparently it was horrible. It was like trash. And John Lasseter decided to take a step back and was like, I don't want to do this. This was a drain of my life. My wife and I need to be like our family and shit. And at the last minute, like a couple of years before it came out, like the literally almost the last minute, they were like, we need you, John. And he like worked his ass off to get it finished. And then the other funny thing, apparently the file, I guess they keep the movie as a file somewhere, got deleted. Like all the work they had worked on Toy Story 2 got deleted. It wasn't done yet, but it was almost done and it got deleted. The only thing that saved it was the fact that one of their employees was on maternity leave and they gave her a system to work from home and the file was on a backup file of the entire movie, Benjamin, was on her on her hard drive. Think about that. Like we could have been robbed of a Toy Story 2 if this one lady who worked for Pixar didn't have a copy of it. That's fucking nuts. That is nuts. But what do you think? It's a great it's another great sequel. Like there hasn't been a bad Toy Story. It's unfortunate because like the way that the one is a classic, three I think is the best. It's like this falls at the bottom of the list, but it's like it's not bad. Yeah. It's great. Like Jesse and the whole She Love oh, She Loved Me with Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah. Dog. Another scene that gets me in my feelings. Fucking does Sarah McLaughlin write happy songs? Well, I think uh what's his what's his face? The dude who does the music for Toy Story. Uh Short People. Oh, Newman, Randy Newman? Yeah, I think Randy Newman wrote it, and she sang it, so... Because they were like, we need somebody sad to yeah. sing this Yeah, shit. we were like, get the dog lady. <laughs> well, she hasn't started doing those commercials yet, because... Oh, we know. Oh, we know, but she's going there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a great... I find that... I find the production history of Toy Story 2 just as fascinating as the movie. Mm-hmm. Thinking about that, like... Yeah. And it's, it's a great film. Uh... Great sequel. It's probably one of Pixar's best. It was probably like they've crapped out a lot of poor sequels, like yeah. Cars Two. Cars One is try is not good either. But Cars Two, Monsters University, Incredibles Two. I was not a fan. Yeah. Uh, Finding Dory, not that good. Like this is one of their few sequels that is actually good. Yeah. And I really think it has a lot to do with John Lasseter, and it's unfortunate because apparently he's a incredibly like he's a she's a creep. Like, I don't think he, I don't want to get off, like, on a B2 thing, but I don't think he, like, raped anybody, but he was, like, it was, like, a rumor that he was, like, there was, like, the allegations are, like, in the company, they were, like, when John gives his special hugs, like, he would hug women and, like, touch them inappropriately while he was hugging, like, what the fuck? Dog. This was the head of all of Disney's animation. Like, he was promoted to head of animation at Disney, who pretty much invented feature film animation yeah and he was the head of it and he got he had to leave because he was fucking up that bad that's nuts but a great movie a great movie great franchise like that's a trilogy they're making four four's coming out this year which seems pointless but then again I thought three was going to be pointless and three is the best one yet so (laughs) anyway uh 
Was that my pick or was it your pick? That was your pick. Okay. Uh, where do you want to go next? Ooh, let's go. Let's go Boondock Saints. Oh. Okay. I'm gonna let you do most of the talking on this because I don't really have much to say besides the fact that it's like it's fan base is larger than the movie deserves, in my opinion. The movie, the movie, the movie. It's a fun movie. It really is. It's got a lot of fun action. Yes. You got charismatic leads. Yeah. You got your quote on like your kind of sort of antagonist. You're not really sure about Willem Dafoe's character. The, the Willem Dafoe is everything and more in this movie. He's so over the top in Boondock Saints. It's great. Like what? I guess when when he reconstructs all the all the all the fight scenes or whatever. But he's so scenery chewing and over the top in Boondock Saints. Is that bad? I guess. I don't. I, it's not bad. I just was like a little really turn it. You're up at an eleven. Like these go to eleven. Give me a seven on that, or like an eight. Mm-hmm. I don't need that much Willem. I love Willem Dafoe. I don't need that much Willem Dafoe in a movie. There's never enough Willem Dafoe. I disagree. Uh, and also, it's the fact that like I'm Irish. Part of me is Irish Catholic, and it's like the American actors that they got: Norman Reedus and uh, Sean Patrick uh, Flannery. I think his name is. Ugh, those Irish accents. Little, little Lucky Charmsy. Well, Billy Connolly. Well, he's Scottish. So, I think, I love how Hollywood thinks that all Scottish people can just do Irish accents. It's so wild. Like, they have had, like, George, Sean Connery famously won an Oscar for The Untouchables, and he mm-hmm. played an Irish cop. Mm-hmm. And his Irish accent is fucking atrocious. It's like, he's Scottish doing a bad impression of, like, a drunk Irishman. It's so bad. <laughs> but... Oh, you mean a regular Irish? A regular Irishman. Yeah, it's, it's redundant, right? <laughs> and the fact that it's, like, so... The, they, uh, it's it's fine. Did you ever see the sequel? I did. It was not that good. No, it was not that good. But the first one, I mean, like, there's the first one. It's a fun movie. I'm not gonna say that it's a great movie. Yeah, because it's not. But yeah. it's a fun movie. I mean, it's fun in the way that John Wick is fun. Like that is true. You know, like I'm yeah. not gonna say John Wick is like important to cinema. No, it's not. It's not. But it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, I'm excited. Like as an aside, like. The, the trailer for John Wick Chapter 3 came out this week, and I literally said online, I was like, I should not be this excited about this film as I am. Because it's like, I did not want to like these films. I watched the first one, I was like, okay, it was alright. The second one, I was like, fuck, these are good movies. It's like, they're fun, easily ex- easily accessible movies. Yeah. And Chapter 3 looks like it's going to be fun and easily accessible as well. So, yeah. they're so much better than they deserve to be. Yeah. And they're not, like, stupid, like, Fast and the Furious good. Right. They're like they're just fun. They're just yeah. fun movies. Yeah, but I will say, and and we can kind of tie this in with uh, with Fight Club. Dude, bros love the Boondocks. Oh yeah, they definitely love the and. Okay, let's talk about Fight Club. That's another big like. If you talk about '90s films, we were talking about this before the off the pod. Like that film has been so mischaracterized and misinterpreted by dude, bros. Yeah, like. It's so sad. Like that and the book. Yeah. Like, it's 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 totally not the point of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the the movie, I mean, the, the book and the movie are like... For the record, I've never read the book. I haven't either. But I'm familiar enough with the source material. Yeah. Like, they're, they're about, like, 
anti-fascism, right? Like, yeah. they're, they're, like, anti-capitalist, and it's, like, if, if I remember correctly, the book was written by a gay guy, yeah. right, talking about his issues in the world, yeah. and, like, and it's about, and it's about this guy who's got split personalities and becomes a domestic terrorist. Yeah. And dude bros are like, yeah. <laughs> I did I tell you my brother saw this and he did not know the twist ending at the end. And I didn't tell him. And he goes, oh, they're the same guy? I was like, yeah, you didn't know that? He goes, no. I was like, oh, by the way, Luke, you know, Darth Vader's his father too while we're at it. I'm like, he's like, shut up. But I was like, yeah, dude, that's, I thought that was like, it's like Sixth Sense, which we'll get to later, like one of the most famous twist endings. Yeah. Because um, I knew it going in, because I avoided it, because it looked like, I was like, that looks, that's not my type of movie. But I do like it. It's David Fincher and yeah. Brad Pitt. Yeah. And I love me some David Fincher. Uh, and Edward Warren's good in it, Jared Leto's good in it, Brad's really good in it, Helena Bottom Carter's really good in it, and Meatloaf, who's great. It's just... It's just so, I guess to boil it down, my feelings about it, I was always working on the impression that, like, the way Doom Bros interpreted it. So I was like, I don't get it. And then I realized, oh no, it's against Doom Bro culture. It's a, it's about, fuck this, this is destructive, this is toxic, and shit like that. Yeah. This is bad for you. Right. Then I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, okay, I understand that, Yes. This is, it's about fucking like crazy people. It's not meant to tell you how to live your life. It's about these are crazy people and this is how crazy people deal with their shit. And yeah. then at the end they realize, oh, I'm crazy and this is this is not healthy. Yeah, but instead dude bros watching, they're like, we should make our own fight club. Rule one is don't talk about it. <laughs> Rule two is don't talk about Rule it. Rule three is I'm going to burn my hand while I'm making soap. Yeah, we're so extreme. <laughs> It's just, it's it's a good movie. It is. If you take it as just a movie, it's a really good movie. Yeah. But if you read, if you try and extrapolate or read into it or something like that, it's like, don't. Don't. Too many people have gotten the wrong impression about this movie. Yeah. But it's good. I like it. If it was on, if you wanted to watch it, I'd be like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. I've probably seen it like three or four times in my life. Yeah. I don't really have any desire to watch it again, but if you wanted to, I'd watch it. Um, all right, let's move on to Sixth Sense. That's another big one. Movie scared the hell out of me. I saw yeah. this as a small child. Literally was afraid of ghosts for like a year. Yeah. I'm not even gonna lie. And it's one of those it's one of those it's it's the type of horror movie yeah. that I really appreciate. Like I if I watch a horror movie, it's not because I'm looking for jump scares. Yeah. They're cheap and it's just like lazy. No, yeah. You know, yeah. like you make a horror movie by building suspense. Yeah. Like you imply the fear of the unknown. Yeah. And you let the the audience decide what is scary. You don't say, boo, yeah. look, that's what scared you. One of the scariest, the, one of the images that stuck with me that terrified me about this movie was, uh, it, it was a, it was a, it was a scare, but it wasn't a blah. It was more of like, oh, fuck. Uh... When he's seeing the dead kid, and the kid's talking to him, he's like, hey, you want to come look at my dad's gun? And he turns, the kid, the ghost kid turns around, and part of his back of his head is blown out. Uh-huh. 
that's te- that was scary. Like I was like, oh fuck, oh my god, I was not I was nine when I saw this. By the way, yeah. it was a terrible yeah. idea. My mother felt so bad. She was like, I should never have let you watch. I'm so sorry. I did not think it would be that bad. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, the, and this image still sticks with me. One of the one of the frightening images for me was always when he's walking through the school. And then, yeah. and then you see like the the like the bodies hanging or hanging. some shit. Yeah, it it made Shyamalan's career, and it he's did. kind of he's kind of bounced back. But he, I don't understand the bounce back, but good for him, I guess. I mean, but he's that's a fascinating career as well. Like, yeah, he was on top. Like he had this he had signs, signs, which I really like. I really like that movie. A lot of people are kind of indifferent about it, but I love that movie. He made Unbreakable. Uh huh. And then he, I really think it's when he made, was it Lady in the Water and then The Village or The Village and Lady in the Water? Either way. And then he became a joke, the fact that it was all about twist endings. Yeah. And, and then, then he, he made, made The Happening, which was like, oh shit, he's not that good. And then Last Airbender, and that it was, was the like, bottom. why are you even making, this isn't even in your wheelhouse anymore. Dog, apparently that's one of the worst movies of all time. I never saw it, and I'm fine with it staying that way. Special shout out to Michael Ramsey, my buddy Fish, because he was a big Avatar fan. And I remember, like, he was tweeting or, like, posting about it on Facebook online while he was watching, because this is, like, one of his favorite shows of all time, Last Airbender. And he goes, we haven't even gotten through the credits, and I already hate this film. <laughs> So, like, I was like, oh, well, never need to see this movie. Uh, but Sixth Sense, great twist ending. Uh, as an adult, I'm sure I would appreciate it a lot more, but I'd never seen it since I first saw it. Cause I, yeah. It it literally shook me psychologically. Because I had a very overactive imagination as a yeah. kid. Um, I wasn't as bad as a lot of kids, but, like, for whatever reason, the movie stuck with me. And, if, like, one of the signs was, like, if it ever got cold suddenly there's a ghost around or like I was always thought I could see something out of my periphery and it was a ghost or some shit like that it was rough it was a movie did a number on me it was a creepy movie it's a very creepy movie but also a very great movie a well made yeah. movie yeah so, uh, plus that twist plus that twist uh, you know Bruce Willis was Kaiser Soze the entire time who knew <laughs> nah Bruce Willis is dead and it's one of those films like you watch it right again after you get the twist and you're like, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. Great, but nobody saw it coming. Yeah. Nobody saw it coming. What's the next film? Uh, let me talk about... I have a bunch of little ones I want to talk about, but nothing really. Dogma. I'll talk about Dogma. Okay, yeah. Because I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan. Uh-huh. If it was not for Kevin Smith, we wouldn't be doing this right now. Kevin Smith inspired me to do a podcast. Because I think on one episode I listened to on one of his pods, he was like... There's nothing stopping you from doing this. It doesn't cost a lot of money. Just do it. If you want to do a podcast, go do a podcast. And the reason I'm a, I listen to Kevin Smith's podcast is I'm a big fan of his early work. Even his later work, uh, I liked. I never saw Tusk. I never saw Red State, but I did watch Yoga Hoser. Yoga Hosers, and it's not that bad. It's like people land fast in that film, but it's not that bad. But I'm a huge Clerks fan. Mm-hmm. Huge Mallrats fan. Love me some Chasing Amy. Yeah. But this is probably my favorite one of his own because uh, as a small, as an atheist, and I believe Kevin Smith still, he kind of still is Catholic, but I don't think he's like a church-going Catholic. But it it start, it got me thinking about religion, even as a small child. I didn't watch it in 99. I think I watched it when I was like a little bit older. Yeah. Like 12 or 13 or some shit. And... Uh, 
it got me thinking about it because it, it poses a lot of big questions about the Catholic Church. But also, it's a great story. I love the story. Yeah. And it's my favorite film of his. Like, it, it's, it is, like, cosmically, I guess, epic, but it's a very small film at the same time. It's a road movie. People are trying to... It's a very simple film, but it also feels like it has huge implications. And yeah. it's got a great cast, Affleck, Damon, mm-hmm. Chris Rock, yep. the late, great uh, Alan Rickman, yeah. um, Jason Sal- Lee, Salma Hayek, Salma Hayek, Janine Groffalo's in it for a little bit, yeah. um, George Carlin, mm-hmm. one of my favorite comedians of all time. Yeah, And it's got a great cast. I think it actually works. And I think it's a really good film. And I love it. I love Jay and Silent Bob. Like, I love those yeah. characters. Uh, and I'm, I'm just a huge Kevin Smith fan. This is my favorite Kevin Smith film. And it doesn't get that much love because it's Kevin Smith. No one takes Kevin Smith seriously. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of where he gets a... That's where he kind of operates. That's the wheelhouse he operates. Yeah. Like, no one takes him seriously. He's a professional fanboy and shit like that. But yeah. I think he... This is a legitimate good movie. And I love it. And it has a scene with Affleck and Damon that is really good where they talk about war on God and stuff like that and like he compares him to Lucifer and all shit. It's a great fucking scene. I love this movie. Yeah. I have it on my computer because I downloaded it illegally. I just have it because every now and then I want to watch it. It's a great, I love this movie. Like I'll go back to Dogma over uh, Mallrats, Clerks, Chasing Amy, any of those films. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I also love Jane and Silent Bob Strike Back. I love that film. Such a good good movie. Uh, another film with great cameos and shit like that. Yeah. Another great George Carlin cameo, but yeah. uh, I think this is this is definitely my favorite Kevin Smith film, and I love it. So that's that's all I have to say about Dogma. Yeah. Uh, what's your next one? Uh, I was gonna go with uh, Galaxy Quest. Oh, another great Alan Rickman performance. Um, yeah. Oh, it's the movie's so funny. You have, do you th- okay? Do you think someone who's never seen an episode of Next Gen? Or the original series can enjoy this film. Yes, I agree. I absolutely do. It's funnier if you, you get all the jokes, yeah, in the references. But even without that, it's still just a funny movie. It's, it, it's. I mean, just like <laughs> was it uh, Sigourney Weaver's character? I have one job on this ship. And it is to relay, say exactly what the computer says, and do it. It's just like we're repeat orders, or like when they're in the contraption thing at the bottom of the ship, and it's like doing all these choppy chop things and like smash. It's like a, it's a trap that they have to get through. She's, why does this exist? Why would this ever exist? Oh man! And then they have to, and then they call Justin Long the super oh, fan. Yeah. Yes. Oh man! It's just so funny because you got, you got. You get to. They just make fun of so much stuff yeah. in that movie. They make fun of Star Trek as a whole. Yeah. They make fun of the I like sci-fi in general. Yeah, the cons. And, no, and and like sci-fi movie plots. Also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just, oh man, it's just so funny. Tim Allen is great God. in that movie. Sam Rockwell. That was like the first big Sam Rockwell film that I ever saw him in, and he's great in that. And he's just a bit. Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson's in it, yeah. And uh, it's just, it's Tony Shalhoub. Yeah. Tony Shalhoub is so great in that movie. And it's just, it's just fun. It's just another great movie where you're just like, it just nails its, it's, I wouldn't say it's airplane level funny, but just like airplane was 
parroting something very specific. Yeah. It just fucking nailed it. Like, yeah. it just nailed what it was after. And it's mm-hmm. just such a great film. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. <laughs> uh, let's see. Moving on. Um, I did want to talk to you about this since you were a big... Uh, a big Bond fan. Mm-hmm. The world is not enough. Uh-huh. We talked about this off the pod as well because I wanted your thoughts on this. Uh, I remember this film. First off, great. I'm a big fan of the theme song by yeah. Garbage. Yeah, it's one of the few Bond songs I have on my iPod. Uh, I really enjoy this film because I think it has a great opening with the boat chase. Yeah, and then. It's Denise. Denise Richards is probably the only bad thing about this film. Christmas Jones, like she's a she's a nuclear physicist. Like, oh, okay, fuck. oh what, what is the? It's like the last line of the movie when he's like boning her or whatever. They're in Istanbul, <laughs> and she's like, "I always wanted to have Christmas in Turkey." It's like, oh, bro. No, but then he's got and something about Christmas coming twice or some shit like yeah. that. Yeah, and then at the end, like, he's, like, they, they detect where Bond is, and it's a heat signature, and then M's like, oh, he must be in bed, and then she sees, like, another pair of legs underneath him, and she goes, 007, and it's just like, <laughs> but I like it, because you have uh, Robert Carlyle as a good villain. I think he's a good villain. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a great submarine scene at the end. Like, I can't yeah. imagine how hard that was to film in 1999. Mm-hmm. And I love this film, but you are a Bond fan, so how does this rank... You said ranking it compared to the other Bond films is too much, so just the Pierce Brosnan Yeah, ones. so if I'm ranking the Pierce Brosnan ones, I think that the best Brosnan movie is definitely Goldeneye. Hmm. I would describe, I would say this is his best one. Really? Although I do have a soft spot for Tomorrow Never Die. Tomorrow Never Knows. No, Tomorrow Never Dies. Is it Never Dies? My bad. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that one is good also. It's a, It just feels like it's just a standard, like, if you, plot by plot Bond film. I was like, it's just a Bond film. That's all you need to know. It's not doing, it's not trying to change the, reinvent the wheel. It's just another Bond film. I think that's what I like about it. But I do love, I do love uh, The World Is Not Enough more, even the despite the fact that Goldeneye has Sean Bean in it. Scene Bean. Scene Bean. Who dies. And without Goldeneye, we wouldn't have one of the greatest video games of all time. Yeah. That's true. Uh, but is, but so you would say Goldeneye is better. I, I like Goldeneye better. And uh, Die Another Day is, is definitely his worst. Yeah. Not not that... Yeah. Not a hard choice. <laughs> but, okay, what would you say... Could you compare it to... So what do you think? Is World of Not Enough second or third? By the way, if anyone's wondering what that creaking sound is, it's my office. It's my like spinny chair. It needs to be oiled. Um, to... You know, I, 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 so, so I would, I would definitely put Goldeneye in the top slot, mm-hmm. and then after that, I don't know. I, I like, I like the world is not enough. Okay. But I, I do, I do like uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Also, like Jonathan Price is great. Yeah, tomorrow never dies. And he's got like what's that blonde guy Kemper or something like that? Like he's like this super dude. Yeah. And he's like a German, and he like kicks Bond's ass and like Blonde blows him up. The end. It's got Michelle Yeoh in it, mm-hmm. and it's like I think that's the first time you ever got with an Asian woman, like an Asian an Asian woman, or it's the first like Asian woman lead in a Bond film, something like that. 
No, they definitely had. Well, I mean, it was racist as shit because yeah, it was okay. the '60s, but yeah. they did, or '70s with uh, "You Only Live Twice." Okay, but um, was that a Roger Moore one? No, that was Sean Connery. I think that was Sean Connery's last movie before he came back and then made Diamonds Are Forever. Diamonds Are Forever. Anyway, uh, but uh, but yeah, I. I I just think about that dude, Robert Carlyle's character. He can't feel anything. Yeah. Which I'm like, that's got to be. It's such. a, it's a, it's a cool. Like every Bond villain has to have a gimmick, and it's right. like, I guess that is a weird. Like, how does he do anything? Yeah. Like, how do you live not being able to have any sensation, or anything? Like, how do you know if you have to shit? <laughs> like, how do you know question. you're not literally pissing on your own leg? Questions that need answers. Who's yeah. calling me? Okay, so... But it is one of the better Bond films. Or is it middle of the pack kind of film? Uh, yeah, it is... Uh, it is a, it's a, it's a good Bond film. Okay. Um, but there's, there's a lot to choose from, so... It's definitely not a bad one. Yeah. I'll say that. I'd watch it. It's, again, it's one of those films that, you know, you're, like, perusing, like... It's on FX or, like, Spike or, or Paramount now. And mm-hmm. Spike's gone, but, like... You're just watching like TNT or something. Like, oh, World's Not Enough is on. I'll watch There's that. some really cool set pieces in that. Like yeah. the when they're traveling down the oil pipe yeah. to defuse the bomb. It's yeah. a cool set piece. And is that the one where they like go into the inflatable ball on the mountain? Like they're getting chased yeah. by speeders? That movie had too much going on in it. Yeah. But also I really enjoy it. So, and when he shoots old girl at the end, he's like, I never miss. It's like, Pierce Brosnan. Like, I love Daniel Craig, and I'll be very interested to see who takes over after him. I think it's going to be Richard Madden, but mm. I hope it's Richard Madden. The king of the north. Yeah. Big Bond Scottish again. <laughs> uh, but I think Pierce Brosnan will always be my Bond, because he was my first Bond. Yeah. Eh. 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 Anyway. All right, what's your next one? Uh, what do I have on here? I'm not going to get... We're not going to get to all of these. No, we're not. Uh... Whoa. Let's do. Uh, let's do Sleepy Hollow. Oh, good. Yes, I do. That was on mine as well. Um, okay, your yeah. love. How, uh, let's talk about Ben's favorite director of all time, Tim Burton. Uh, yeah. So, um, as people listening to this may or may not know, I you have talked about this on the past. In the past, hate Tim Burton. <laughs> you don't hate the man. You just hate his style of directing. Yeah. You don't even know this dude. But if he acts like he directs, I hate him. Um, My favorite thing as an aside about Tim Burton is because when he was married to Helen Bonham Carter, they literally owned houses next to each other. They were married, but owned houses next to each other and apparently had a walkway in between the two and they would live in separate houses. And I was like... That is a man. That is a couple that have it figured out. Like, that's how I want my relationships to be. Hence why I'm never in a relationship. But, like, I was like, that's brilliant right there. That's a fucking keeper. But you see, this is exactly what I'm talking about. That feels like the stupid bullshit quirk he would put in (laughs) one of his movies. (laughs) But but instead of him, it would be Johnny Depp. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But it would still be Helen Bottom Carter. Carter. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I think my favorite joke is when they broke up. It's like in the divorce proceedings, who gets to keep Johnny Depp? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they split custody of Johnny Depp. <laughs> but, okay, so what's your 
So what do you what do you have to say about Sleepy I Hollow? Say, I, I will say this is one of my uh, least hated. Least, yeah, one of my least hated of his movies. I think it's you know you, you if you did that if you did this kind of movie now like I'm like take an old story public domain story and then turn it into a feature film people would roll their eyes and I'm sure people were rolling their eyes back in '99 when it was coming out but it is it's a good I like it around I like to watch around Halloween oh yeah it's it is definitely a Halloween movie. although one thing I don't like about this is the fact that like Christina Ricci who is like one of the most gorgeous brunettes of all time goes like full like Dutch blonde she looks horrible she's horrible it's like such a bad dye job but it's got a great cast it's got I mean besides Johnny Depp it's got uh, Michael Gammons in it uh, Michael yeah. Go from or Goff however he pronounces it from the Batman films he was Alfred Ian McDermott from Star yeah. Wars uh, Christopher Walken uh-huh. and fun fact the guy who does the most of the action stuff as the headless horseman Ray Park who also played Darth Maul. So, little tidbits like that are why I love it. But it's a good... And Miranda Richardson's the... Spoiler, she's the bad guy. I know, right? But Christopher Walken's in it. Yes. Yeah. in it for a few minutes, but he's still good. It's just weird, because, like, they could have had... He doesn't do, like... He yeah. doesn't have a speaking role. Yeah. Like, it's just like... Let's make him be Christopher Walken. Yeah, why not? He's got, like, a free couple of weekends. <laughs> I think I like the, the aesthetic, the way it's shot... I think I like the color palette more than I actually like the movie. Oh, you mean the Tim Burton's trademark color palette? I dig it. I dig the the darkness. I dig the the low, uh, not no, the low resolution, but like the low end spectrum of it, something like that. I like the atmosphere of it. I think it's really well shot, and I can't say that about a lot of Tim Burton films. Like it's like Sleepy Hollow. I guess the first Batman, although I have problems with it. Edward Scissorhands. What else has he made? I never saw Big Fish. I didn't either. But apparently, it's like the least Tim Burton-y Tim Burton. It's got Marion Cotillard. It's got Ewan McGregor in it too. Also Obi Wan. Uh, Oh, that's something we didn't talk about with Phantom Menace. It gave us Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan and made me fall in love with that character even more. Yeah. Even though he's a dirty, dirty liar. Natalie Portman was so bad in that movie. God, we totally didn't even touch on that either. Again, the Phantom Menace prequel, the whole prequel, Star Wars prequel trilogy pod is going to be extensive. It's going to be... So buckle up for that (laughs) one. Buckle up for that one. We eventually get to it. We might do it before episode 9 comes out. Ooh, that'd be good. That would be very good. Uh, Let me say, uh, what else can we say about Sleepy Hollow, though? Uh, It's just another film, but I do like to watch around Halloween. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to do a couple more, and then we're going to get to a speed round where we just say a few things about something. Uh, I wanted to talk about... God, there's a bunch I wanted to talk about. Let me see. Any? No, I'll talk about... See, I don't really know if you'd be into this. So I'm going to do... I'm going to double dip, so if you don't mind. Sure. I'm going to talk about um, Wild Wild West and Any Given Sunday. Okay. So Any Given Sunday... I've watched that a few times. Uh, first time I ever saw a penis on screen. Because, like, there's a scene where they go into the, men, the the team's locker room. And, like, they did not cover up anything. And I was like, whoa, what, what, what is this? Like, it was, it was, that was, it just caught me off guard as a young kid. I don't know what I'm saying, right? Um, 
It is ridiculous because it's Oliver Stone. But it, I think it is a good football movie because it kind of romanticizes football. And it does touch on some of the – like they couldn't use NFL teams because they talk about like steroids, yeah. business practices, injuries, all this stuff. They talk about all this shit. They couldn't use NFL teams. So, But the NFL apparently exists in this movie, but it's just a separate – it's just a separate football league. I can't decide if it's a great football movie. I think it's a great football movie. It has a great Pacino performance. And Jamie Foxx, Willie Beeman, that's kind of like a – it's a great Dan, Dennis Quaid. He's in it. He plays the veteran QB that gets hurt. And then the Willie Beeman, Jamie Foxx character shows up. Originally supposed to be Puff Daddy, but apparently he dropped out. And then he takes over and he becomes this hot flash in the pan, like kind of superstar overnight. And – it's a good movie, but it is Oliver Stone, um, and apparently this movie started the like decades long beef between Jamie Foxx and LL Cool J, who's also in this. Apparently they came to blows and they've never talked to each other since wow. this movie. So I also find that interesting. But I'm also going to dip into Wild Wild West. Have you seen Wild Wild West? I have seen Wild Wild West. I remember loving this movie as a child, <laughs> but as an adult, it's one of the dumbest fucking movies of all time. So many reasons why. You mean a steampunk spider <laughs> isn't stupid? Okay, so I loved it because Salma Hayek, who is, in my book, the most beautiful, still gorgeous to this day, one of the most beautiful women of the 90s. Uh, great, has a great Kevin Klein performance. And Will Smith's Will Smithing around, so it's like, <laughs> that's cool, I like that. Great theme song. Love that theme song, but also terrible movie. <laughs> so dumb, so dumb. And when my mother's like, she would always talk about Kenneth Branagh's performance. I didn't know who the fuck Kenneth Branagh was back in the day, but now that I know who Kenneth Branagh is, I'm like, dog, what the fuck were you doing in that movie? You were terrible in that movie. What? How? How did they talk you into this? It's so bad. And it's so dumb. It's so dumb. And they took such like... I think I've watched some Wild Wild West because it used to be a TV show. That's uh-huh. where they got all the characters from. And that was just a straightforward Western. And they just took this like simple Western show and threw a giant spider into it. Which is a <laughs> funny story. Uh, I'll let you. I'll let you get... Say what you want to say about the film, and I'll tell the story about the funny, why I find this that spider even funnier. So go ahead. Oh, I don't really have a lot to say about the movie other than that it's completely fucking ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So anyway, so anyone, like I said, I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan, right? And so Kevin Smith in the 90s, real quick, was tasked with, you can find this online, this, this story he tells. So I just find it hilarious because... When he was rewriting, when he was writing his version of Superman, when Warner Brothers tasked him with that, the producer John Peters, who's a nut job, I think he also had a Me Too thing. Um, John Peters like wanted Kevin Smith to write in a giant spider in the third act, <laughs> so so he wouldn't do it, <laughs> or he did it. He called it a Thanagarian snare beast, and then when uh, Tim Burton was going to direct this version of Superman, they threw out Kevin Smith's script. And went with our own new script with uh, Nicolas Cage and all this shit. Anyway, so he tells the story that he was like, so the next movie I saw that was produced by John Peters was Wild Wild West. 
And in the third act, there's a giant fucking spider. So I always laugh at that. But that movie is so bad. It's so bad. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, how about you do... I'll get my double dip in and then yeah, we can you... speed round. Yeah, we can speed round. All right. So we're going to... I'm, I'm going to talk about a couple of comedies. I'm going to start with uh, Mystery Men first. Oh, great. Somebody once told me oh, the yes. world was going to roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool. Uh, it's another, another great ensemble cast movie. That is also a quietly great film. I, I, re- I really don't know why it doesn't get more praise because it's... It's legitimately hilarious. Yeah. And you got great performances from Hank Azaria, Greg Ben Kinnear. Stiller, Greg Kinnear. He's really good at that. William movie. H. Macy. Yeah. Jeffrey Rush. Uh, I love I love my favorite thing about... One of my favorite things about it is like... Hank Azaria's character, I can't remember. The Blue the Raja. The Blue Raja. He's like, why don't you throw knives? <laughs> it's like, I have forks and spoons. That's all I throw. It's like, but you don't throw the deadliest thing. You don't throw a knife. <laughs> Stupid shit like that. It's just so... And he's not even British. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's so funny. And there's... Oh, Jeffrey Rush. Too. Yeah. 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 You mentioned him. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's uh, there's just so much... There's so many just stupid one-liners. Like Ben Stiller and his failed one-liners throughout <laughs> that whole movie. They just, they just kill me. It's a very 90s film because it, it also has... Uh, uh, Kel. Yeah. From Keenan and Kel. Yeah, it's got uh Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, your boy. Uh That's the he's a the 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 he's the a flash the bean. He's a flashless guy. Uh Janine Garoppolo. Janine Garoppolo. There's just so much funny stuff. You got all these random cameos in there like Tom Waits. Dane Cook. Dane is in Cook. CeeLo is in it. Yeah? And so is J you know who else has a random cameo in that movie? <clears throat> uh your boy, Michael Bay. Weird. Oh, and fucking Eddie Izzard's in it too. It's just like, <clears throat> what is this? Like, what is this? <sighs> so funny. Um, and then uh, the other comedy that I wanted to dip into was the South Park movie. That's a great one to go on, and then we could go to the speed round. You know, just I'm, and I'm gonna be totally honest with you. The bigger, longer, un- and uncut subtitle. Yeah. I just realized very recently that that was a dick joke. Oh, yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> I never noticed that. Uh-huh. I always called it South Park BLU because it's just easy to shorten it like that. This was, until I saw Fill on the Roof as a teenager, this was my favorite musical because I knew all the words. I got in trouble once at school. I went to a Catholic school and I was singing Uncle Fucker. <laughs> I could sing that entire song right now if you wanted. If I like, oh no, I believe it because I'm pretty sure I could too. Oh, and it's got what would Brian Boitano do? Yes, and and Kyle's mom is a, a big, big fat, fat bitch. bitch. Or Blaine Canada? Yes, I remember it got so much controversy at the Oscars because Blaine Canada was uh, nominated for best song, and Robin Williams sang it, and there was a big controversy because in the line. I think he says F word. He like said fuck or something like that in the song, and they were like, oh, "What are they gonna do? Are they gonna bleep it out? Oh, what are they gonna do?" I remember there was controversy about that, but that is a great fucking movie. It is, and I love that movie. It was the f- it was one of the first movies I 
first off, I had to sneak to watch that movie because my mother banned us from watching <laughs> South Park. And I went over to my uncle, my uncle John, who just tried to call me. Uh, I went over to his place, and they had it. And we watched it, and he asked, are you also allowed to watch that? And my brother and I literally lied to my uncle. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking great, dude. That movie is so amazing. It's so funny. Oh, it's like, Eric, did you use the F word? Jew? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And, like, just just as, as a general rule, uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, they're just, like, Speaking of the songs in particular, they're just great lyricists in general. Yeah, because they're theater nerds. Like yeah. what people don't realize, like when they met, they were theater nerds. Yeah, they're filmmaking nerds and theater nerds. Yeah, and so like if if you guys aren't familiar with the Book of Mormon, that is the musical that they wrote. Yeah, and it it is also completely hilarious. It's a Team America. Team another America. great music. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Like, the guys are so good together. Anyway, so South Park, Bigger Long Uncut, it's Saddam Hussein, Satan. It's just, it's so good. Like, but it's so foul. Like, one of my favorite songs is Uncle Fucker. And it's so great. And it talks about, and it, it really is a product of its time because it touches on a lot of things that were going on in the late 90s around Columbine and, like, like censorship and stuff like that. And, uh... The V-chip. Like, I don't think the V-chip actually existed until South Park mentioned it. And they started installing V-chips in televisions. Mm -hmm. That's how crazy that is. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, classic. I just remember always, like, I, like we, we lied. We had to sneak to watch that because we would have gotten in trouble. But we got in trouble. My mom was furious. <laughs> and my uncle was like, why are you mad at me? They lied to me. I didn't know. She was like, you should have been more responsible. Or she was more like, you should have been more responsible. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we uh, it's a great fucking movie. Dude. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go through my speed round. Um, Being John Malkovich came out in 99. Too yeah. fucking weird. Did you ever see it? I did see it. It's a weird fucking movie. It, it, I did nothing for me because I was like, this is too fucking weird. Uh, Big Daddy. Probably the single best Adam Sandler film. That's legitimately a good movie. Although I never saw Punch Drunk Love. Are you, are you hating on Little Nicky right now? I don't like it. What? It's fine. I just don't think it's great. Although it's got a lot going for it. Like Roddy Dangerfield, Harvey Cartel, a whole bunch of shit. But it's just, it's fine. It just doesn't do anything. It's fine. Uh, Blair Witch Project, that was a big thing. Because like, that was like the first virally marketed film before viral marketing blew up. And it's mm -hmm. like early internet, like I said earlier. Uh, saw it. Boring as fuck. Mm -hmm. That movie is boring as fuck. I was like, this is what people were terrified of. <laughs> uh, Tarzan, another great underrated. It doesn't really get talked about like Lion King or Aladdin. But Tarzan is a good film. And it's a wonderful animated film. I think the reason it doesn't get talked about as much is because the best part of that movie is the fucking Phil Collins soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, Life, another great Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence <laughs> film. It's a really good film. I really mm -hmm. like Life. Let's see. Stuart Little. Yeah. Hugh Laurie. Michael J. Fox. Like, that's a fun... That's another great kids film. Yeah. And it doesn't get talked about. Mm -mm. And the second one's good, too. I really like the second one as well. I don't remember the second one, but I remember the first one. Yeah. Uh, Varsity Blues. 
I just love that movie because, like, as a kid watching that movie, it was so... Like, me and my brother would quote that movie <laughs> to each other. And I just, like, the one we always throw at each other was... <laughs> Mind you, we're two guys, all right? Like, I'm sorry. I already probably sound like a pig the way I talk about women on this pod. Uh, or actresses on the pod. But I just remember, like, Billy Bob sees their teacher who's a stripper. Like, Billy Bob, what would you rate those... What would you rate her boobs? I, I, I give him a 10! A 10! And it's just so good. It's so stupid. And it's I like that movie. Uh, Iron Giant, another great anime classic. Brad Bird. Uh, Vin Diesel. Yeah, Before Vin a, Diesel was Vin Diesel. Yeah, but doing his group thing. I know. And it's, it's a great film as well. And I think it's only getting more appreciated as time goes by. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. The only reason I mention this is because thanks to South Park, it gave us one of their funniest jokes. Rob, Sh- Rob Schneider is a stapler. <laughs> I just love whatever I think about Rob Schneider. Like, okay, so like GQ did a video. They do a video with some actors. They go through their entire career, like break down. It's like so-and-so breaks down their most iconic roles. <laughs> and they did one with Rob Schneider. And I didn't watch it, but all I could think was Rob Schneider is a carrot <laughs> so that's the only reason I mentioned that I actually think that's a funny movie but I watched it when I was a small child so I don't know if it's actually good I'm certain it doesn't hold up uh, and the last one I wanted to talk about a speed round and you can get yours is Ed TV. it's a Ron Howard film uh, I think it kind of a great preview of what reality TV eventually became for anyone familiar it's basically a, a, a regular Joe signs up to have his life broadcast 24-7. And it's really good. I really think it's a good film, but it, it doesn't get talked about much because this came out in 99. I think Truman Show came out 2001, and that was more sci-fi, more satirical, and bigger. And I think it is a better film, but it kind of this gets overlooked because of that. Uh, what's your speed round? Uh, you touched on a couple of them, but let's see. Uh, American Pie. Oh, I forgot about American Pie. I forgot to mention it. Yes. Yeah. Great as a small child. You think that's what high school is going to be like, and it's not what high school is like at all. I definitely didn't fuck a pie in high school. And it's very... Stifler... That's another movie not aging well in this era that we live in. Mm -hmm. And please don't... When I keep referring to this era we live in, please don't take it, anyone listening, as me complaining. This this is progress. Yeah. (laughs) Like, the shit they joke about in American Pie is very offensive these days, and I don't think it could get made now. Yeah. But as a kid, Shannon Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> it's a funny movie. Anyway. Uh, Cruel Intentions. Did you see Cruel Intentions? I did see Cruel Intentions. Bittersweet Symphony. It's the best yeah. thing that came out of that movie. Ooh. Yeah, I said it. Ooh. Um, no Love for Ryan Philippe? Oh, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah. She's like a villain in that. That's one of her few film roles outside of Buffy. Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. Daphne. Uh, But yeah, I think Bittersweet Symphony is the best thing that came out of that film. Fair enough. Fair. Uh, Man on the Moon. I know you don't have any interest in watching it. Uh, I've seen it. Oh, you have? I've seen it. Okay. I saw it. Uh, Didn't really do anything for me. What? I saw it as a kid. I saw it as a, oh, I saw it as okay. a young. I saw it. Didn't see. Obviously, I didn't see it in '99. But I was a huge Jim Carrey fan in the '90s. But I would watch his films, and I watched that later on. And I was like, I don't. This doesn't. This is just weird to me. It didn't do anything for me. 
I thought it was good. It's probably very good. I've only probably watched it twice in my life. Like, probably 15 to 16 years ago. So It was good. It's, you know, it's 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 a good biopic. Um, mm-hmm. Danny DeVito was good, and I remember that. Mm-hmm. It was just so bizarre. Like, he was too bizarre for me. Well, I mean, Andy Kaufman was a weird fucking guy. He's fucking crazy. Yeah. Man. I need to watch the documentary on him and Andy and me. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that you saw that? Yeah. But I was like, I'll... I don't want to know about Jim Carrey like slowly losing his insanity playing this role. Yeah. Anyway, what else you got? Uh, what else did I have marked on here? Do you? Rem- I remember watching Bicentennial Man, but I don't remember anything about it. The thing I remember most about I do like Bicentennial Man because uh, I love Robin Williams. R.I.P. Robin Williams forever. Yeah. But the thing I remember about Bicentennial Man, I think it was the first time I ever heard U G L Y. You ain't got no alibi. You ugly. Um. It was a good film. I liked it. I don't think it's aging particularly well because he looks kind of goofy in that like giant latex suit and all that yeah. stuff. It's not... Mm. But uh, it was a very interesting concept. That's a film they could remake. But I'm like... Mm. I think it was... Was that it was an Isomoff? Isaac Asimov story, right? Was it? I think so. Maybe. I know that they used the three ro- laws of robotics in that film. Oh, it's yeah. Mentioned. Then it it's probably, probably has something to do with it then. Uh, but it's fine. I liked it. <clears throat> probably... In the more capable hands, and if you took it more seriously, you could probably tell a greater story. Because it's all about, like, he wants to be human. Yeah. And he eventually wants to die. <laughs> he really... Fuck it, right? And then he fucking marries, like, a girl he raised when she was a child. And then she dies, but her granddaughter, who looks just like her, they fall in love. How sweet. How romantic. <laughs> Um, and then the only the only other movie that I that I had on this list was Baby Geniuses. What? Oh, I mentioned Baby Geniuses as well. What the fuck were people thinking? <laughs> Dog, people were still on something from the eighties. I guess so. I just was like, they found the the ludes. That's basically like I think I wrote it. I, I marked it because I want to talk about it. It's like I had the exact same thought. Like, how the fuck did that get made? <laughs> walked into a studio and was like baby wait for it geniuses I got it guys. I got it let's make let's make an ensemble spy movie yeah I think but she, it's baby and they made a sequel oh that's awful and John Voight is in one of those films and <laughs> Kathleen Turner is I think in both of those films baby fucking geniuses <laughs> Um, out of we so we we had the list of one hundred and there's several we didn't talk about. Yes. Uh, how many of the films did you see? Did you count them? Uh, somewhere around thirty of them, I think. I counted, and I did. I thought I was like, oh, I've seen most of these films. I've used to watch films all the time. I was a regular blockbuster. I would watch all these. I did fifty nine. I was like, oh, 80, 90, 59. The back, the back, the other column. I was like. Oh, fuck. I've never watched it. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so that's going to do it for 99. But I'm also... If you've with us this far, I hope you stick around for us this far because we did a lot of rambling. But this is a very serious topic for me. Uh, I did some research into this. Um, I wanted to talk about the 1994 Oscars Best Picture because I think uh, in doing research, because I told Ben, I literally went back to 1990, which... The, the, the Oscars in 1990 were for the films in 1989, so the last 30 years. I think it is the single toughest decision in this category 
ever. In that 30 years, I'm sorry. And I did notice some things that stuck out to me that I still think the Oscars are fucked for doing. And let me just go through them real quick. 92, Denzel versus Pacino. Pacino wins it for Scent of the Woman, beats him for Malcolm X. I love Pacino and Scent of the Woman. That's wrong. Malcolm X was a better film than Scent of the Woman. Uh, next up was 98, the infamous... Sh- still gets me mad. <laughs> Shakespeare in Love beats... Uh, Saving Private Ryan, which the greatest war film ever lost to fucking Shakespeare in Love. A middle of the pack rom com. About Shakespeare. That was so historically inaccurate and such a. Bu- okay. <laughs> Next up was the 08. Dark Knight not only didn't win Best Picture of the Year when it should have probably won Best Picture of the Year, wasn't even nominated. That was such a big deal. Literally the next year they expanded it from five to ten films. Mm-hmm. And the next one was Denzel Washington again in 2016. Casey Affleck beat him for Manchester by the Sea over him and Fences. And I've seen both films. Listen, Casey Affleck, you were good in Manchester by the Sea. But there's no fucking way you were better than Fences. Like, I, I saw Fences. Fences was amazing. I'd never seen the play. But uh, I was shocked once I saw both pictures. I was like, this is not even close. It would have been like if La La Land beat Moonlight. Mm-hmm. Although Manchester Agency was probably a better performance than La La Land was a movie. But it would have been that egregious. Um, I couldn't believe it. I was like, once I saw both, I was like... And I might have been biased because I love Denzel. So I might have t- gone into the debate thinking... <laughs> Let me find all the ways Denzel's role was better. But I, I honestly believe Denzel Washington was better in Fences than he was than Casey Affleck. Casey Affleck was in Manchester by the Sea. Mm-hmm. He's just depressing in that film. And Denzel gives you so Trust me. Watch the film one day and you'll agree with me. All right. But but again, I go back to the night. It was the, uh, the 67th Oscars. It was for the films of 1994. And we've talked about this before, but I, th- I want to go deep dive into it. Okay. Uh, for the next, like, 20 minutes or so. 15 minutes. So the 67 Oscars Best Picture. I'll read the list and we can talk about them. Because it's a, it's a murderer's row. I think I told you any one of these films could have, on their own, in a different year, won Best Picture. So let's go through them. Um, Forrest Gump. Four Weddings and a Funeral. Pulp Fiction. Uh, Quiz Show and The Shawshank Redemption. I've seen all five. You've said you've only seen three. Mm-hmm. And just as a quick, like, uh, we'll talk about the, the, I'll talk about the first two and then we can talk about all three. Um, Quiz Show is a great film. It's probably the weak leak in that car- in that move, in that category. Because, great film. I didn't even know it was nominated for the Oscar at the time when I first saw it. I saw it randomly one day. Mm-hmm. And it's based on a true story. It's based on, like, game show, uh, I think called Quiz Show. Robert Redford directed it. Ray Fiennes is in it. He's the bank guy. He's great in it. Uh, John Turturro is in it. Great in it. Uh, Rob Morrow, who's a nobody, but he's good in it. He kind of pulls off a bad Boston accent, but, you know, it's whatever. I'm not going to hold it against him. Great fucking movie. Great fucking movie. And it's the least, it's the low, in my opinion, the least great film in this category. 
Okay, so four weddings and a funeral. Richard Curtis. He fucking wrote Love Actually, uh, Notting Hill, Bridget Jones Diary, uh, About Time. But his his film, his first film. No, he wrote four weddings and a funeral. But he uh, Mike Nichols directed it. Uh, is that right? Or am I remembering that right? Mike Newell, sorry, Mike Newell. My apologies. Mike Newell directed it. But it is one of the greatest romantic comedies of all time. It's so British. It's so good. He, it basically put Hugh Grant on the map. Because it was so successful. It's so good. The only bad thing about the film is Annie McDowell plays the love interest and she is horrible in it. <laughs> like, that is, like, the only bad thing about this film. She's not horrible. It's just, like, you have Hugh Grant, you have all these great like 90s British actors as his friends mm-hmm. John Hanna has one of, one of the best monologues in it uh, at a funeral at the funeral and it's just wonderful it's a great film and it's it didn't I was like it's like I think I love romantic comedies and I would say like if you ask me the best romantic comedy of all time of our modern era it's either When Harry Met Sally or Four Weddings and a Funeral. Seriously. I think I gotta give it to When Harry Met Sally, but uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral is a close second. And I think the only thing stopping it is the fact that Annie McDowell is so bad in it. Like, she is so lifeless. Like, the whole thing is, like, he meets her at the first wedding and falls in love with her immediately. And I'm spit- the whole time I'm wondering, why would you fall in love with this woman? <laughs> But it's really good. Okay, so let's talk about the big three. And I think this is where we get into the meat and potatoes of it. Yeah. Uh, needless to say, if anyone's not aware, Forrest Gump won this. Mm-hmm. But you had a choice between Shawshank Redemption, Forrest Gump, and Pulp Fiction. Three of the best films of the 90s. Now, I'll talk about Forrest Gump. And you can talk about Pulp Fiction. And we'll talk about Shawshank together. Okay. But I'm a huge Forrest Gump film. I, for the longest time, it was my favorite. It might be my favorite. Still might be my favorite film of all time. Although it's not aging well for me. Great movie. Tom Hanks won Best Actor that year. I think Zemeckis won for Best Director. It, it's so good. It's just... it's. I will watch it anytime it's on if I catch it. Great soundtrack. Great story. Great supporting cast. Great special effects for the time. It's great. I love Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. Love, love, love Forrest Gump. But I can't honestly say it's better than the other two films. And we'll talk about once we're done talking about the other two films, do we think it should win? So, Pulp Fiction. So, Pulp Fiction, we talked about this, I'm sure, the, the Tarantino podcast. podcast. Yes. Um, I think we teased this conversation on that pod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Pulp Fiction is the quintessential Tarantino film. Yeah. Like, if, if, you, if you want to know what Tarantino's about as a director... Watch this movie. All of his style tropes are in there. It's yeah, it's it's all there. It's it's a it's a great, um, it's a it's another great ensemble movie. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's another great, uh, multiple stories converging into one greater whole. Yeah, nonlinear uh, storytelling. Yeah, nonlinear storytelling, um, and there's just like there's. Everything about that movie, everything in that movie is just, it's just great. You know, it's, it's, 
relaunched Travolta's career. Yeah. Made Sam Jackson an even bigger star than he already was. Put uh-huh. him on the fucking map. Like, yeah. Made him a household name. Made Uma Thurman a household name. Do you think it's a consolation that he won Best Screenplay? Is it the fact that the film was that good or is the story that good? Is his writing that good? I mean, it is good that he won for Best Screenplay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, They're both honors, obviously. I yeah. don't know if one trumps the other. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's talk about Shawshank. And I, I, I said Forrest Gump is not aging that well for me, but Shawshank is aging well for me. Yeah. And oh, yeah. it's one of the best films I think I've ever seen. And it never gets old. Like, I don't think Forrest Gump or Pulp Fiction ever get old, but Shawshank is never gets old. Like, yeah. I never get tired of that film. Yeah. And it's not a love story like Forrest Gump overall. It's not as fucked up and bizarre as Pulp Fiction. And it's just great. Like, it's about more... It's not about, like... It's about hope, and it's about perseverance in the darkest of times and stuff yeah. like that. And it's got a happy ending. Yeah. And it's great. Like, I think it's... I don't think it won anything that year. Because, like, you had Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, like, snatching up all these little yeah. things. I can't... I don't know if it won anything that year. Which is Please talk on Shawshank while I look that up. Yeah, I mean, if... it Like... You know, you had um, Tim Robbins as Andy Dufresne. Yeah. He deserved some sort of something for that movie. And... and It was nominated for seven Academy Awards. Sorry to cut you off. The most for a Stephen King film adaptation. It was nominated for Best Picture, uh, Best Actor, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Cinematography, Deacons, Robert Deacons, who just won for Blade Runner 2049, Best Editing, Sound Mixing, and Best Original Score. Uh, it did not win any category. It received two Golden Globe nominations for Best Actor for Morgan Freeman and Best Screenplay for Darabont. I don't think it won anything for that either. So this thing, this great-ass film, went on empty fucking-handed. That's insane. That is insane. They gave the nod to Freeman over uh, rounds? For actor? Yeah. Uh, it did not get nominated for any acting awards, which is ridiculous. I thought you said Best Actor. That was screen. That was uh, Golden Globe. Oh, it's uh, picture act. Oh, it was actor. You're right. My apologies. I wasn't paying to be. It went to Freeman. Okay. Because I guess he is the like Andy Dufresne is the protagonist. Yeah. But they're they have a, a kind they, of. A, it's like it's almost even screen time. Yeah, because I mean he's. I mean you could argue like as much as Andy goes through, what Red goes through in those parole hearings. Yeah. It's it went on empty handed. Could you imagine? What a tough year. Yeah. So what else do you have to say about Shawshank? Um, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just good. Again, I don't know if a perfect film exists, like The Matrix. And I think, I don't think, I'm not saying, I'm not putting them on equal footing because Shawshank is a way better story, way better movie than The Matrix. As, as much fun, as influential as Matrix is, not even in the same level. Yeah. But I think it's a damn near perfect film. It's a guy film as well. Mm-hmm. And it's so... It's so... It was also a cultural... It also had a cultural impact, like, you know, uh, crawling through 300 yards of shit to make it out clean on the other side. Uh Uh, Either get busy living or get busy dying. Yeah, it also launched the... uh, Kind of, like, really launched the narration, like, Morgan Freeman being the narrator for everything. Yeah. Uh, It's so good. 
Like, it's so depressing at times, but it's also uplifting at the same time. There's so many... There's so many great monologues in that movie, yeah. too. And I guess that kind of goes along with the narration thing. But, like, Morgan Freeman's monologue at the parole hearing when he gets his parole... Yeah. Stop wasting my time. Mm-hmm. And the villain, the, the the warden, and the head security guy by Clancy Brown. Yeah. Great villains. I yeah. still think about that when I, whenever I hear something described, someone described as obtuse. Like, I think about, like, what what did you say? What did you call me? And he's like, why am I being obtuse? It's like, he's so fucking evil. The warden is so fucking evil. I want to punch that dude in his face because I hate that character so goddamn much. Mm-hmm. And I'm mad he blows his own brain out. Spoiler alert. Because I'm like, <laughs> he should have been fucking ass raped like Andy Dufresne was. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fucking, was that James Conn? No, it was James Conn's stunt double. I think. Like, <laughs> It, it, the dude's been in other films, but he was like, he looks a lot like James Conn, but the sisters, I think they were called the yeah. sisters. And he's like, I don't think, would it help if I told him I'm not a homosexual? And then Morgan Freeman's like, it's not about sex. It's not about being gay for them. You have to be human first to qualify. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so, and then the Tommy thing, and then Tewatanejo, mm-hmm. it's so good. I know this, I, I'm betraying my beloved Forrest Gump, but I think Shawshank should have walked away with it. Best picture overall. So what do you think? What would you take out of all of it? You, they, the Academy was like, we can't decide. Ben, pick one. You're the, you're the vote. One vote. What, do you, what would you go with? Ooh. Keep in mind, fucking Forrest Gump won, I think, best director... Like, all these other awards. You know, Pulp Fiction won. Screenplay. Screenplay. I mean, yeah. And you didn't see the other two, obviously. But I think you would enjoy both of them if you Mm -hmm. saw them. I mean, yeah. I mean, for Shawshank, Shawshank going away with nothing is a crime. That is is an egregious foul. (laughs) I think I gotta give it to Shawshank as well. Cause like I love, I love Forrest Gump. I really do. Like, I really love that film. Again, as weird as this sounds, Spider Man, the night, the two thousand two May third two thousand two film, Spider Man, Sam Raimi, and Forrest Gump were like are like my favorite films of all time. Like I'll watch them anytime. It doesn't matter. But as much as I love Forrest Gump, I'm like I think that Shawshank is a better story. Because I could, I could talk about how I think there are flaws and I don't think Forrest Gump is the protagonist, is protagonist of his own story. Mm-hmm. I think Jenny's story is way more fascinating. Mm-hmm. And things just happen to Forrest. Yeah. But that's also the point of it. It's just like he's the feather in the wind. Yeah. He's not guiding himself. He's the feather in the wind. That's the whole point of the movie. And I get that. But I think if you want to talk about a better story a more uplifting story with consequences because nothing bad ever happens with Forrest except Jenny dying. Yeah. But then he has a kid now so he has something to fill that void. And I feel like Red and literally Andy Dufresne crawl through 300 yards of shit to make it clean on the other side. And yeah. like Red, there's a happy ending there. Yeah. And they win. Yeah. So I think, I, I think I gotta give it to Shawshank over them all. And it's tough because then you're Pulp Fiction, Four Weddings and a Funeral, and fucking Quiz Show. All great films. Like, legit great films. That's so... Like, think I... 
I randomly think about this throughout my life. <laughs> I just that's so that's such a hard call. Like even talk, I swear I'll watch all four of these other films again later on, and I'll start to convince myself that Shawshank shouldn't win it. Mm-hmm. It's so tough. It is. I don't know what to say. Anyone listening, if you want to get in touch and say what you feel, please feel free to write us. Because I'm very curious to see if anyone responds. I hope we get strongly worded letters. I know. So what do you think out of all of them? Would you say Shawshank's aging the best for you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, having not seen the other two, I can't judge. But from the three that I have seen, it definitely is. Because you don't have to deal with Quentin Tarantino's obsession with saying the N-word. Yeah, and his eccentricities. I'll say that very politically. Mm -hmm. And... uh, Forrest, it's it's nothing wrong with that film, but it's is it over? It's might be overrated. Mm-hmm. It might just be such a love. It's such a feel good story that like you know people endeared to it. But like yeah. Shawshank is not a feel good story until the ending when Andy escapes yeah. and then Red escapes. Because, oh geez there's so much stuff that happens in that movie there's so much bad shit that happens to these characters yeah, that, that that kid that tries to get his GED yeah Tommy and then, yeah. And then gets killed yeah and Brooks yeah it's such a sad movie it is and it's all about like even in the darkest of corners and darkest of sh- like situations you gotta keep hope alive and that's all geography that's all geology is the study of time and pressure and the fact that Andy escapes and he's just done and he fucking gets revenge on the dwarf without, you know, him getting ass raped. <laughs> which is a crime. I was like, man, they should have fucking ass raped that dude. Uh, but, okay, wrapping that up, I think we both agree Shawshank probably should have won it. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, 25 years later. Yeah. But, okay, back to the 99 conversation. The 1999 film. We'll, we'll, we'll put a bow tie on this as well. What do you think is the best film in 1999? The best film or my favorite film? Okay, we'll separate it. We'll make that distinction. Best film versus your favorite film. My favorite film of 1999 is... Just say it. Phantom Menace. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, my favorite film... The one that I can rewatch anytime, all the time, is probably Austin Powers. Really? Yeah. Okay, so I, I'm just gonna say mine is both the Matrix. Like I think that it's the best. I film. think yeah, I think I'm gonna give it to the Matrix for best the best film. film. But I also think it's like as much as I love Austin Powers, Toy Story two, all the films I I just spent like two hours blowing, uh, South Park, all these films we talked about. I still think the Matrix is the best film that year. And it doesn't have the issues that American Beauty has. It doesn't yeah. have. It's not as. It's not as disappointing as Phantom Menace was. I honestly think it is the best film of nineteen ninety nine, and it's the my favorite film from nineteen ninety nine because like. Emmy, your daughter, is going to be turning three this mm-hmm. year. I think when she's old enough, she could watch that film in probably the next ten years or however long, seven or however long you want to wait to for her to watch it. For y'all to let her watch it. Um, I think like kids her age are going to pick this up and be like, this is fucking amazing. It's not aging poorly. It's getting better. Yeah. I, I think it's hands down the Matrix. 
like 1999 as far as film was the year of the matrix that's another film i don't think got any best picture or anything because it's the matrix yeah which is i would take like american beauty i think won the following year that yeah. year's oscars yeah, is best picture did, yeah uh i would watch the matrix 20 times in a row before i'd watch american beauty and that's not just the kevin spacey thing I just thought it was too artsy fartsy and it was just like was this the best film? Was this like Sam Mendes I, it's a great again I like his direction but is this really a better lasting impact on film the film business the film culture like film style than The Matrix? It's like when Star Wars didn't win Best Picture it's like yeah I'm sure whatever film did win that year like was probably a better film, but what had the lasting impact here? Like, mm-hmm. what is what was the biggest picture of the year? It's like, mm. but anyway. All right, guys, I think that's gonna do it for us. We got to get going. We have festivities to get into tonight. I have certain things I've been meaning to do for a while tonight. Um, but yeah, man, it was a great conversation. It was. I knew this was gonna be two hours, and we apologize for the length, but we had a lot to talk about. We did, and we barely scratched the surface. I know. Uh, eating one of those films could have been their own conversation. And we probably could have made two hours just out of that uh, 94 debate. Yeah. I still, that's such a tough, like, I know we just talked about it and I know we just kind of skimmed it and we touched on it, but I still think, like, you could make an argument for each one of those films. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, even Quiz Show and Four Weddings, like, they, they're so good in their own merit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's going to do it for us tonight, guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for all that birthday wishes for everyone that was texting me and calling me while we were recording this. Uh, I feel like such an asshole, but I had to, you know, I had to go. I'm, I'm in the middle of something. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for us. Ben, thank you for visiting. Yeah, it should absolutely. go out uh, Wednesday the 23rd. So yeah, I hope everyone enjoys. And thank you for listening. Uh, like and subscribe, share with your friends. Again, write to us. Um, we're both on Facebook. I'm John S. Flores. He's Ben A. Casson. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm not the John Flores. That we the pod also has a Twitter account. FAF podcast at FAF podcast and the Gmail of course is always FAF podcast at Gmail. Uh, yeah, that's gonna do it for us, man. Yeah. <laughs> get busy living or get busy podcasting, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's us. All right, bye, everybody.